Lynette Hoffman, and this is Beyond the Table. Today I'm taking you to a little Lebanese bakery in the suburb of Belmore. I enjoyed this interview and the food so much. I have a special fascination with Lebanon. I've never been there, and to be honest, it's a part of my family history that I know very little about. My grandfather's family emigrated from a forested town in the northern part of the country. They went through Kentucky and eventually they settled in Newfoundland, the rocky island off the coast of Canada, where my mom grew up. Her dad taught her mom how to cook some of the classic Lebanese dishes that I grew up eating. So things like kibbe, tabbouleh, cabbage rolls, shish kebabs, and majadra a lentil, rice, and onion dish that's still my ultimate comfort food. My mom adapted many of these foods, and I still cook them today. But my mom wasn't even three when her father died of heart problems, so I know almost nothing about that side of my family history. Apart from a sprinkling of Arabic words that she learned and a handful of recipes that were passed down from her mom or her aunts. She doesn't know that much about her ancestry or heritage either. So I always get a little bit excited when I meet people from Lebanon who might be able to tell me more about where that part of my family came from. My grandfather's family were Maronites, which is a type of Catholic that is quite common around Lebanon, Syria, Israel, Cyprus. And I've always wanted to know more about this. I've wondered why they left Lebanon, whether they were persecuted because of their religion. But again, no one's ever been able to really shed much light on that. When I entered Belmore Lebanese Bakery, I noticed some Catholic relics scattered around the place. But I didn't immediately make the connection. And in fact, I asked Eddie whether he was fasting for Ramadan. Despite my own family history, I still often associate Lebanon with Islam. So although we talked about lots of things, including the flatbread and delicious turnovers that Eddie is famous for, probably my favorite part of this conversation is the part where Eddie tells me about Lebanon. He challenged some of my preconceptions and painted a picture of a country that I still really want to go to. So without further ado, meet Eddie. My name is Eddie Zambaka, and I've been a child of Belmore since 1975. Eddie makes a mean coffee, but it's his flatbreads that people travel across Sydney for. It's all made with one, with the same dough. It's basically a specialised pizza dough that I make, and I don't share my formula with everybody and then we change the topping. Our most famous one is the oregano bread and it's made up from thyme, oregano, sesame seed, salt and you put it on the pizza dough and and serve it to the customers as it comes out from the oven. That's the traditional way but by popular demand. Now we add fresh tomato, pitted calamata olives, fresh shallots and fresh mint or any of those combinations, depending on what people's tastes are, as a role. Eddie is a bit of an anomaly in the foodie world. Opening a bakery wasn't a lifelong dream for him. And it wasn't a family business or a pathway out of poverty. 
I had never been in a bakery before. I had, except to buy bread. You know, really, I had, no, we, we lived the normal life when we came here. We, you know, you just go down the shop and buy a bag, of, a bag of bread, a loaf of bread, and that was it. So I hadn't even seen the inside, inner workings of a bakery at all. Eddie had happily worked in IT for eight years when he bought the Lebanese bakery as an investment in 1987. His dad was unemployed, and this seemed like a great opportunity for his dad to manage the business, give him something to do, and provide a potential income for the future. I was very happy working in IT. I enjoyed. I had the best view. I worked in the AMP building. And I overlooked Sydney Harbour every single day. You'd sit down, you could have a coffee, and you'd just see, you know, on one side is the Opera House, on the other side is the Harbour Bridge. Nothing better. I bought this place, it, the bread bakery, as investment, and I thought I'll have my dad, which had bakers and it had workmen, and my dad was unemployed, so I thought dad will just sit out here and manage it. And every time I'd call, there'd be something going wrong or something, you know. And I thought if I'm managing staff where I'm working... I can manage stuff anyway. So I resigned and came here. There's so much to tell you about the ups and downs and iterations of the bakery and exactly how Eddie acquired his bread-making skills. But let's just detour for a moment. Life was pretty good in Lebanon when his family left. The move wasn't born out of any distressing situation. It's really not much of a story. I mean, Lebanon wasn't in war. Lebanon was a beautiful place. And my cousin, my dad's nephew, had come here because his uncles, his mum's brothers were here. Eddie's cousin loved Australia and suggested his father, Eddie's uncle, should come too. The two dads were both painters and had a business partnership. They came to Australia together. I was the eldest of four kids. I was 12. I turned 13 when we came here, and we came in 1971. We settled in Surrey Hills, and we moved to Belmore in 75. There was a bit of culture shock for Eddie, but not in the way you might expect. When we first came, it was different, not difficult, but different, because we'd already had colour TV in Lebanon. There was no colour TV here. I was used to shops being opened, Saturday and Sunday, the city closed at midday on Saturday. It didn't open till Monday. We were kids and we'd dress up for Sunday church and all of that. But if you went to the city by midday, it was like a ghost town. And I couldn't understand why would they close the city at midday on a Saturday and there's nothing on Saturday or Sunday. Where do the people go? And that played on my mind, like as a kid. Like, why would they do that? Like, you know... Why is it like Lebanon? And I couldn't figure out. And I didn't understand unions and, you know, how, how it all worked and pay scales and all of this. It took a long time for me to figure that out. But we did. He grew up in a city about 55 kilometres from Beirut. I'm from a town called Zahli. Zahli is an old trading route city. If you know anything about Lebanon, Lebanon is divided right through the centre by a huge mountain range from end to end. However, where the Bekao Valley is, right in the middle, it's a valley in between the two mountain ranges. And that part, Zahli is a city there. So it was the old trading route from east to west. North to south, that's how the mountain range run. And east to west, across from the ocean towards Syria. 
instead of going through the mountain, you'd go through Zahli and you'd go across. So it's and the Beka Valley is a very, very lush agricultural centre that the Romans used to call the Garden of Rome because it's fruit and veggies, everything grows. It's very, very lush. And that's where we come from. The town, it's a very big town as far as towns go in Lebanon. I always wondered, what is it like being Catholic there? How big of a minority is it? Well, the town, Zahli itself, is the biggest Catholic city in maybe the Middle East. The Catholics have gathered in that city because it was a safe enclave, because it's got, it's got mountains on either side, and there's only one entry and one exit. It was safe, protected, and they all lived there. And, it, you know, it's a very big... I didn't even know there were different sects of Christians until after we left Lebanon. You know, the Catholics, the Maronites and the Orthodox, we'd all go to each other's churches and, you know, oh yeah, all the masses were different. But we hadn't actually, I hadn't as a 12-year-old, realised that there was a big difference in that. And it's only after the war started and people started to segregate a little bit more that you started to see the differences emerge in all of them. I didn't even know about Muslims. You know, you knew there was Muslim, but, but we all went to the same school and really there, it didn't feel like there was, there, there was different people. Everybody, to us kids, was the same. And I suppose that's the job, that's the reality, that kids don't make differences. It's the adults that make those differences stand out and they push people away. We didn't know that. I, I, I sincerely say I, I had absolutely no idea until well after we came here. So were there Muslims in that town too? Well, there were Muslims that came to my school that came from outside of the town. But the town itself, it did have Muslims in it. And when we came to Australia, one of our friends who was a Muslim, he would take us to church on Sunday because we were kids. And if my mum and dad weren't coming, he would, a Muslim man, would come with us to church and would sit down in church, in a Catholic church. And... It, 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 it wasn't anything different, but he was from the town itself, so he grew up in Sahli, and he was considered like one of us. There was no difference. Even in, like in the suburbs, even though Zahli's got something like, I think, 22 churches for a small town, it's got a lot of churches. People would go to the closest church, but sometimes they will still identify. You know, for marriage, you'll have to go to whichever denomination you came from. You do those marriages and, you know... Funerals are held in those different ways. But they still mix with, yeah, no problems. So as you can hear, Eddie has lots of fond memories of Lebanon. And they left in a time of peace. Fast forward to 1989. Eddie has quit his job in IT to run this bakery. It turned out that baking Lebanese bread was much more arduous than he expected. It was very labour-intensive when we first bought it. And so I went overseas and sourced out an automated bread-making machine. He flew to Lebanon, but this time it was 1989. There for about eight months because I was waiting for the machinery to be built and to be shipped out. What was that like? Oh, well, there was a war back there in 89, you know. The Syrians uh, were trying to instill a regime change, I suppose. And, uh, but it was fine, uh, you know. We weren't under any immediate danger at all. And time when we flew out, I flew out of Syria because it's, it's the same distance, about an hour to Damascus. 
from where we are in Zahli. So we just we just drive. It was easier to fly to drive to Damascus and fly out from there and safer. But I didn't feel like there was definitely a big war happening. It intensified while I was there, yeah. But where we were, we were safe. He slotted straight back into the community. I went back to the same suburb where I grew up. I knew everybody and, you know, everybody knew me and my school friends were still there. So, you know, you just renew our friendship and, you know, you just live like one of the locals. And I met a baker over there who was a relation. I brought him out here to run the bread-making side. But he was also like a full-blown baker. He, that's all he'd ever known in his, all his life. He was basically illiterate other than writing his name and writing the numbers 1 to 10. Uh, but he was a master baker. He was a freak. As far as baking is concerned, he was like the best of the best. And he taught me. And while he was here, he'd want to go for a break, say, come here, stand, stand here, I'll show you this. You've got to do it while I go for a break. So every time he went for a break, I would take over. And I learned, and I became as good as, I suppose, anybody else. As good as him? I can't be that fast, but I, I can hold my own amongst good bakers. What made him so good? Well, he comes from a long line of bakers. He's a baker. His brother's a baker. His father's a baker. His uncle's a baker. And it runs the family. And sometimes, you know, you learn little things that make a whole lot of difference. So this guy has done his time. He left school when he was eight or nine and went into a bakery. His father left school when he was eight or nine and went into a bakery. All that experience, living in a household of bakers, you can see by the quality of the final product. You can get someone to say, here's a formula, use it, and you get someone who'll walk in who maybe would use the same formula but won't measure by the milligram and will turn out a good product time after time after time after time. He might walk in and say, oh, well, you know, the place feels cold. Let's warm it up a little bit. Or the place, you know... Maybe, you know, it's a little bit too windy, so let's close some windows, you know. Let's not get a draft in here. Or it's too hot, let's open up, you know, get a draft through. All these little things that we don't notice or we take for granted, they notice. And they don't notice it because they're looking for it. They notice it by the fact that they've been doing it for so long. As they walk through, they can feel and they can sense when something is wrong. And when things do go wrong they can actually remedy and fix on the fly with absolutely no waste of time. Eddie didn't have those years of experience, obviously, but he's a keen learner and networker. I also got introduced to somebody doing a PhD on flatbread at the Bread Research Institute at Macquarie University. And he showed me his PhD dissertation, and I used some of that while we were making Lebanese bread, and tested it out. Some things worked, some things didn't work. At a commercial bakery, you can understand, between a lab and a commercial bakery, you've got a, it's a different kind of setup. The researchers tried adding all sorts of improvers to the flour to change the texture, the colour, the longevity, you name it. So I tried most of them. It was a lot easier to just do it the old-fashioned way without actually adding anything. But once all the new automated machines were in place, business flourished. We started supplying Woolworths. We, we were supplying Woolworths in-store bakeries in metropolitan Sydney. But then it just 
took its toll on me, on my family. Well, we're working long hours and when you supply Woolworths, they work seven days. So you've got to be here seven days. And, you know, they close, I think, half a day on New Year's Day or Christmas Day and then full day on New Year. There is a time they're open and you've got to be supplied. And because I had metropolitan Sydney, I had to have drivers or couriers delivering everywhere and they had to have it by a certain time. Our starting time kept creeping up, so we started at 8 o'clock at night and working right through till halfway, then the following day, and then you start again. That's not sustainable. So about a decade after the bakery opened, Eddie decided to transform it. They closed shop for about 11 months and refurbished everything. So I sold the business, sold the machines, kept the premises, refurbished it, and turned it into what it is today. Today, Eddie and his team make flatbreads and turnovers by hand. They make the famous oregano bread that Eddie described earlier. We also make a, uh, a marinated lamb spread. It's like a pizza. So it's marinated lamb, tomatoes, onions, spices and salt. And I've also introduced garlic on it so you can have the marinated lamb with garlic and then cheese on top. And that's yummy. We also have like turnovers, uh, feta and halloumi cheese turnover. We have a plain spinach turnover. And we have a combination of the feta and halloumi cheese and the spinach together as a cheese and spinach turnover as well. And then basically, that's all I make at the moment. And that, that gives the shop going. So do you ever get sick of the food that you eat here? That's a question that has bugged me for many years. And every day I go, when is the day that I'm not going to want to eat this oregano bread? And I have an oregano bread every single day, seven days a week. And I ask myself that question every single day. When am I going to say, I've had enough, I can't eat this? And that day hasn't come. And I've been doing this for a very long time. Like this setting that you see now was 2001, right? We're 17 years later and I still have one seven days a week and I haven't got sick of it at all not once did I say I don't feel like it today not even once but I ask that question all the time how that answers your question (laughs) (laughs) I know what makes a happy bread maker and that's just enjoying your job and since I've got rid of the bread side because it was just too long and too cumbersome and too exhausting since we started this I actually enjoy coming to work every single day and I enjoy the laugh. I enjoy the company of customers and I'm a talker, so I talk to customers all the time. I engage with them in so many subjects, you know, and you just try to get a smile on their faces when they come in. Sometimes you get someone that'll come in and, you know, and say, look, give me a smile and I'll serve you faster or, you know, I'm not serving until I see a smile. And they walk out happy and I'm happy. I really am happy to come to work every single day. And some people go, I don't know how you do it, but they can see how happy I am. And not once have they heard me say, I don't feel like going to work today. Not even once. So yeah, it's a blessing, I suppose. It's nice. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Table. As always, head to my website at lynettehoffman.com. Make sure you spell Lynette with two N's. And you'll find pictures and contact details for the Belmore Lebanese Bakery. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review and spread the word. 
You can also follow me on social media. I'm Nomad Lynette on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have ideas for a future podcast guest, let me know. Mm-hmm.